NPR. This weekend, like many other people, I put on a pink outfit and went to see the new Barbie movie. The film made over $300 million worldwide during its opening weekend. The Barbieverse is definitely having a moment. Yes, it is. But you know, Barbie has actually been part of life in the U.S. for decades. Ken, not so much. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. But because Barbie has lived through so many shifts in American culture, she's become this lens through which you can talk about basically anything, from fashion and politics to race and body image, and even our favorite topic, economics. This is The Indicator for Planet Money. I'm Adrian Ma. And I'm Waylon Wong. While there has never been an economist Barbie, her many careers, over 200 of them, tell us a lot about the journey of women in the American workforce. Today on the show, we take a crash course in labor economics, Barbie style. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Babson College. The world needs entrepreneurial leaders, and you can become one at Babson College. Gain the skills to lead, motivate, and inspire through a specialized master's or MBA program with full-time, part-time, and online options. Turn ideas into action with a graduate program that caters to your professional needs and fits your lifestyle. Ranked number one in entrepreneurship by U.S. News and World Report. Apply now at babson.edu slash gradprograms. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Humana. Employees are the heartbeat of your business. That's why Humana offers group dental, vision, life, and disability plans designed to protect them. Exceptional service, broad networks, and modern benefits. That's the power of human care. This message comes from NPR sponsor Arctic Wolf. Their researchers have released the Arctic Wolf Lab's 2024 threat report. Why will 2024 be a volatile year for cybersecurity? Learn more and get your copy now at arcticwolf.com NPR. For today's lesson in Barbie labor economics, we had one particular teacher in mind. She actually retired a few years ago, but she was kind enough to reach back in her memories to talk to us. My name is Barb Flowers. I was a coordinator in economic education at the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis. So your name is Barb. Have you ever gone by Barbie? I've avoided that my entire life. (laughs) The only people allowed to uh, call me Barbie are my little nieces and nephews. (laughs) Okay, we'll stick to calling her Barb. Uh, So Barb spent her career in economics education. And at the St. Louis Fed, she developed curriculum on economics and personal finance for all ages, from little kids to adults. And just over a decade ago, Barb got an assignment. The St. Louis Fed manages a library of resources about American economic history, and it had gotten a bunch of documents about women in the workforce. These historical materials came from an office that the Department of Labor set up in 1920 to promote the welfare of working women. Barb was asked to develop a curriculum for high school students that would use these documents. One of the things that caught my eye was how much Uh, occupations for women have not changed over, well, a hundred years. Unless those occupations became totally obsolete, they were still among the occupations that women mostly go into now. Here's what Barb noticed. From 1900 to 1950, some of the top 10 occupations for women were secretary, nurse, teacher, and saleswoman or store clerk. 
And then in 2010, pretty much the same lineup. The leading occupations were still secretary, nurse, teacher, and cashier. So even with all these advancements in the workplace, like more women becoming doctors and software developers and CEOs, the most common jobs for women are, for the most part, the same as they were a century ago. Yeah, it's pretty startling, so that definitely got Barb's attention. And then around the same time, she saw something going on in the Barbie universe. The toy company Mattel was, for the first time, letting the public vote online for Barbie's next career. One of the choices was computer engineer, and women computer engineers were mounting a grassroots campaign to make their job the next Barbie. They ended up succeeding. And so I went to the Barbie website and saw all the careers. And then I, you know, tried to put my mind in the, in the mindset of the developer of the Barbie and why they chose those particular Barbies. What were the historical clues that kids could, uh, maybe conjure up to, um, think about why this was happening at that time? So that's how it got to be. Barb had what she needed for a curriculum that would put a Barbie spin on women's labor history. Her lesson plan introduces some basic vocab terms like labor force and labor force participation. It also asks students to track how women have increased their share of the workforce over time. And then comes the fun part of Barb's lesson plan. And so, Adrian, you have not seen this before, so this will be fresh to you. No, yeah, going in cold. <laughs> so students get a stack of 30 cards. Each one has a picture of a different career Barbie on it, and they have to try to put the Barbies in order of when they were introduced. Are you ready to try this? Yeah. Do you know what the very first Barbie's job was? The first Barbie's job. Uh, what year was that? 1959. Was it um, like a teacher? Oh, that's a really good guess. It was fashion model. Fashion model. Okay. Yep. Here she is. She has a high ponytail and she's wearing a black and white striped swimsuit. This is the original Barbie released in 1959. And you know who got one for her birthday is Barb Flowers. Best birthday gift. I was really uh, in my glory. And um, <laughs> at that time, it really truly was a fashion model doll. And the clothing was just beautiful. All my birthday money went to Barbie clothes. <laughs> so fashion model was Barbie's first job. Now, here is astronaut Barbie. If you want to look at this card. Yeah. Yeah, she's wearing a silvery white spacesuit and a white helmet, and she's also got these brown things over her hands that look like oven mitts. <laughs> that's to keep out the, uh, the, the cold vacuum of space, right? <laughs> that's true. That's true. So what year, roughly, would you guess this astronaut Barbie was introduced? Wait, when did we go to the moon? Let's say 1969. Oh, good guess. It's actually 1965. Oh, didn't Kennedy make that, like, we go to the moon and this and that and the other thing? Yeah, that speech was in 1962, and a female Soviet cosmonaut went to space in 1963. Uh. So space was definitely on the brain for people. But if you think about it, this astronaut Barbie came out four years before the moon landing, and almost 20 years before Sally Ride became the first American woman to go to space. Huh. So Barbie is, like, ahead of the curve. Yes, exactly. And she was doing some pretty trailblazing stuff even before women had hit other kinds of economic milestones in real life. Margot Robbie, who plays Barbie in the new movie, pointed this out in an interview with the entertainment website IGN. Barbie went to the moon before women were allowed credit cards. And you're like, oh, yeah. And like Barbie did all this stuff at a time when they could not have any financial autonomy in their lives. And you're like, surely that infiltrated our collective mind in some way and made us go, hmm. 
I don't want a dream house. I want my own house. I want my own car. I want to do whatever job I want to do. You know, it's almost as if, like, the many jobs of Barbie are a sort of leading indicator. Oh, get out of my brain, Adrian. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, in, in economics, we talk about leading and lagging indicators. Uh, leading indicators being these measures that signal where an economic trend might be headed and lagging indicators that are confirming something that has already happened. So throughout the years, Barbie's career has sometimes been a leading indicator of what was going on with women in the workforce. For example, Surgeon Barbie came out in 1973 when there were barely any women in that specialty. Other times, Barbie's career has been a lagging indicator, reflecting jobs where women were already well represented, like nurse or teacher. Teacher Barbie rings the bell for recess fun and gives a hug for a job well done. Teacher Barbie doll comes with two student dolls. Barb Flower says that Barbie's jobs have always been this mix of jobs that were more aspirational and those that were actually more reflective of the kinds of jobs women actually held during the time. And in some ways, that mirrors Barb's own career in economics and teaching. In my economics classes, I was one of very few women. And when in grad school, oh my goodness, there were very few. But then when I got into education, now I was back with, uh, you know, the women in education. I really felt like, you know, kind of between two different worlds there. If I had, you know, maybe gone into, you know, business, I probably would have been with a lot more men. I always wondered about that. Do you ever think about what retirement Barbie would look like? Uh, probably a lot like me. Uh, probably somebody who's pretty active. And is she still wearing heels or is she wearing like gardening clogs? No, I have not worn heels in a long time. But Barbie's pretty laid back. <laughs> this Barbie is. That is the kind of aspirational figure that I can get behind. Right? Yeah, like a laid back, cool, retired economic educator. <laughs> yeah, chilling, comfortable shoes. <laughs> well, this is definitely the most I have ever thought about Barbie in my whole life. Uh, well, you're welcome, Adrian. Thank you. And there's more. Well, not about Barbie, but about women and jobs. Tomorrow on The Indicator, we're going to look at how women workers have been faring since the pandemic pushed many of them out of the labor force. This week's producer Barbie was Julia Ritchie and our engineer Ken was Neil Rauch. Our fact checker Barbie is Sierra Juarez. Viet Lay is our senior producer, Ken. Kate and Cannon is our editor, Barbie. And The Indicator is a production of NPR. Ken Doll sold separately. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Charles Schwab, with their original podcast, Choiceology. Hosted by Katie Milkman, an award-winning behavioral scientist and author of the best-selling book, How to Change, Choiceology is a show about the psychology and economics behind people's decisions. Hear true stories from Nobel laureates, historians, authors, athletes, and more about why people do the things they do. Download the latest episode and subscribe at schwab.com podcast or wherever you listen. This message comes from NPR sponsor Charles Schwab with its original podcast on investing. Each week, hosts Lizanne Saunders, Schwab's chief investment strategist, and Kathy Jones, Schwab's chief fixed income strategist, along with their guests, analyze economic developments and bring context to conversations around stocks, fixed income, the economy, and more. Download the latest episode and subscribe at schwab.com slash oninvesting or wherever you get your podcasts. This is my voice. I can tell you a lot about me, and I'm not changing it for anyone. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of NPR episodes centered on Black experiences. 
Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths, wherever you get your podcasts. 